Welcome to 500 Seconds to Joy. I'm your host, Stephanie. We're going to dive right into my conversation with parenting coach, Rosemary Clark. Enjoy part one, friends. Hey, I'm super excited to have you. And can you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, you've already said my name, Rosemary Clark. (laughs) I'm uh, a 43-year-old mom to two sweet little girls. And I'm married to my best friend, Steve, and we live in Nova Scotia, Canada. And how I got started as a language of listening coach. Yeah, so I actually had um, a rather difficult childhood. And I knew that I wanted to parent differently than the way I was parented. I even had it worked out in my head. I, you know, the way that I wanted to parent. Um, I even talked to Steve about it. We, we had discussions before we got married, you know, about, about the way we wanted to parent. And the way that I kind of spoke about it was, was like this. I, I thought, you know. I wanted my children to be treated as separate individuals with their own thoughts, feelings, and opinions. And I really wanted to make sure that they had a strong emotional connection with their parents. Those were the things that I really wanted for my kids. And the thing is, when my babies came along, those ideas didn't naturally turn into abilities the way that I had hoped that they would. You know, I had the ideas, but I didn't have the skills. So I needed tools. And I didn't even know if the right tools existed that would work for me. Um, but I kept my eyes open and eventually I found Sandy Blackard, founder of Language of Listening. Um, I found her website and I got really excited and I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. This is exactly what I've been, been looking for. And the other part of that is, is that I also knew that I wanted to make a career out of helping moms who had had difficult childhoods. And so when I found out Sandy had a coach's training, that was just the perfect fit for me because not only would it allow me to, you know, move into this new career that I wanted, but also it would help me with my family now, you know, and that was, that was super exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think is different about this method, language of listening? And what do you think it really sets it apart as a parenting strategy? Because as we know, there are so many out there. There are lots out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've seen a really positive trend in a sense in our society where we're really trying to work out moving away from this kind of behaviorist um, theory-based parenting that we've been doing, which really, you know, what ends up with, um, you know, kids and adults who are making decisions based on fear, um, you know, when it comes to their behavior, when it comes to decisions about their own lives. And so we're starting to see some new parenting models that are coming out that are helping us to move away from um, you know, from that kind of a um, rewards and punishment type of parenting. Um, mm-hmm. So the differences that I see in language of listening, though, the way I really see it standing apart from other methods, there's, there's, a, there's a few I want to talk about, Stephanie, that I'd like to talk about. <laughs> one, I think, is the one that's just most heavy on my heart or most, most powerful for me is that it's this amazing parenting model first that allows you to reparent yourself. That was really important for me. And that was one of the things that I gained from language of listening. I had no idea I was going to get it when I learned language of listening. I thought it was purely about my kids, but really what it, what it allowed me to do was to really fill in the voids and reparent myself and, and, and kind of fill in those areas that were missing from my own childhood, which of course helps you in your own parenting for sure. And um, the way that that's really shown up for me and for, um, for the women that I work with is language of listening gets your, you know, gets your children connected to their Um, their inner guidance system and their inner greatness. And it does that for you as a parent as well. So your inner guidance system is really that place that you can depend on uh, inside of yourself that gives you what I call like a real confidence, you know, like not just this confidence that's put on, but you've got this confidence where you're making decisions about your life 
from your deepest values. You're connected to your deepest values and it's easy for you to make your decisions from that place. And then that other part of being connected to your inner greatness is just having a, a deep understanding and a deep connection to your value and your worth. And I think those things are really, really important. And there are other ways that the reparenting happens, but I find that those are the two most common areas. But it's so neat that it's the same tools with language of listening um, for the personal growth for the parent, but also for the kids. You're using the same tools um, to kind of reparent yourself and then also um, to parent your children. And so that's that's the next thing that I would say sets language of listening apart is, you know, there's lots of parenting models and methods out there that talk about ideas. Um, and sometimes they give you like a few you know, kind of deal, tools to deal with. Some of them kind of are based on this like positive parenting where like if you just connect with your child's emotions, they're going to, you know, behave in the way that you want them to. And unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. Like as parents, we still need to have boundaries. So language of listening is this really neat model that's all wrapped up in a neat little package of three simple tools that you can depend on, on the good days, on the bad days. They're super easy to use and they're super effective and you can just have them in your back pocket for whenever you need them. But then there's also these four premises which make up a framework of like truthful and helpful thoughts about kids and how to get them to listen without yelling threats or punishment. And I think that's an important point to note too about language of listening. The yelling and the threats and the punishment, they just walk out the door naturally. This is not something that you have to have self-control to stop yourself from doing. Language of listening gives you the tools to allow those things to stop naturally. Um, and so, and there's two other areas I'd like to talk about too. That yes, too. please do. It's so, I mean, I feel like everybody listening right now is like nodding their head. Like this is amazing. This is what I need. That internal confidence to have within yourself as a parent and to instill in your child and to know your inherent value and worth, especially for me as a Christian, I just connect with that so deeply because so often what is missing in our Kind of upbringing is that sense that even when you do something wrong, you are still inherently valuable and worthy. And that, you know, is in the Bible. Um, it's very profound. And I just think it's so amazing and just so incredible that that is something that, you know, parents learn to practice with themselves and then with their children too. And then these tools that like you're saying, they're simple, they're easy is kind of just a new way of listening and talking and being because you've shared a little bit with me, um, something yeah. to use and it's been working really well with my three and a half year old. So oh, I can say it's a very simple, easy tool. I definitely agree. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear more. I know other people will too, because this is so exciting and just like, I just think it's such an amazing method. Yeah. Continue. Mm -hmm. We're, we're excited to listen more. Yeah. Oh, good, good. <laughs> um, so what I really, you know, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but I, what I find is, is quite different too, is just the fact that, you know, this, this model allows the parent to, to really be holding boundaries, um, but boundaries mm -hmm. in just a completely different way. Um, you know, like we get our kids following the rules, we, we're able to hold our boundaries in a way that's empowering for the child. See, what happens in a lot of cases is that, you know, when we end up yelling at a child or we end up, you know, putting them in timeout or punishing them, they're left with a void. Like, what is the child going to do next time they come up against that, that challenge, that life challenge, right? They don't have, they don't have something to fill the hole. All they have is this literally like a mental pathway that's been laid out that tells them to be afraid because they're going to get yelled at or they're going to get put on timeout or something bad is going to happen, right? Instead, with language of listening, it allows us as parents to very firmly hold our boundaries, be able to stand in our boundaries, but do it in such a way that empowers the child to problem solve. It gives them a way to deal with the situation next time they come up against it. 
um, so that they have this belief in themselves that they're capable and the mental mm -hmm. pathway that's there, the way their brain is just going to, the thoughts are going to travel naturally. This is biological, you know, it actually gives them something to do in that moment instead of just being like, oh no, I'm going to get yelled at, right? Like if that's their first gut reaction when that life challenge comes up, I mean, I mean how comfortable are we or how capable are we at thinking through and problem solving when there's this like kind of this gut feeling that, you know, we're going to get in trouble, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really give us, um, anything to kind of hold on to it just leaves us with this icky feeling in this void and so I'd like to share an example because um, again language of listening has these these just this new way of thinking about human beings and about kids in, in general you know society's given us some really crummy thoughts about kids that really don't help us with our parenting they actually a lot of these thoughts that society has given us has set us up to be for our kids to be our enemies you know rather than being connected to them so I'm going to give you an example of um uh, my youngest daughter and the rules that we have in our house around Sharpie markers. And I'll, as I'm speaking through the story, I'll just kind of point out little language of listening pieces, you know, um, as it happened. So I think all moms understand that Sharpie markers can be a very dangerous tool in the hands of a four-year-old. Yes. Very <laughs> yes. scary times, right? <laughs> Especially if you're not in the room. <laughs> yes. So we have a rule in our house that if a child finds a Sharpie marker, they're to give it to an adult. So that's the rule. That's our boundary. And um, so my daughter was looking behind a cabinet in our, in our kitchen and she found a Sharpie marker back there. I was in the room, thank goodness. And uh, she, so she pulled the Sharpie marker out and she looked at me and she started to hand me the Sharpie marker. And then she pulled it back and held it in close to her chest. So a lot of times our reaction to that situation would be like, what a bad kid, right? Like they decided to not give me the marker. They knew they were supposed to, and they, they, you know, and they didn't give me the marker. But what we do in language of listening is when we see partial obedience, we really do trust in the child's true intentions. We trust the child always has good intentions. And, um, and so what I did is I, I kept my language of listening tools close at hand. And uh, I used say what you see. This is the first tool of language of listening. So say what you see is a tool to connect and to get the child understood. And so what we do in say what you see is we reflect back to the child, just like a mirror, everything we see them or something we see them doing, saying, thinking, or feeling, again, to get them understood. So I did say what you see. I reflected back to her, just like a mirror, what I saw. And I said to her, you found a Sharpie marker and you started giving it to me. And then I use the next tool of language of listening, which is strengths. And I said, that shows you know how to follow the rules. Well, what that does is that starts to lay out a mental pathway in her brain that every time she finds a Sharpie marker, she knows how to follow the rules. This is the not leaving them with a void and giving them that deeper place inside of them, their, their, their inner greatness and their inner guidance system. So when I said that to her, I said, you found a Sharpie marker uh, and you started giving it to me. That shows you know how to follow the rules. Her whole face brightened up and the marker got handed right over to me in an instant. And if wow. that's all it takes for us as parents is to have that little shift in thinking, right, to get our children, because who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to just be okay with just saying a couple of simple sen sentences to their child and have, and have that Sharpie marker get handed over instead of having to go over and say, you have to give it to me, you know, and, and maybe even have to pull it out of their hands, you know, and then what are they left with? If I find a Sharpie marker, I get in, I end up in a fight with mom. You know, this is the mental mm -hmm. pathway that's literally laid out. But for her, I was able to lay out that mental pathway, affirm that. And this, this goes with another one of the preferences of language of listening, that children act according to who they believe they are. That's where that strengths tool comes in. We, we affirm um, the strengths that our children have for them. And then those are the thoughts that they have when they come up against their life challenges. She knows she's a person who follows the rules. And I have not had to deal with Sharpie markers 
again with her because she just brings them right to me even when I'm not in the room when she finds them. And sometimes language of listening works that quickly that it's the one, one, one and it's done, you know, like one time and it's dealt with. <laughs> sometimes it takes a few more examples to get that mental pathway laid out, a few more experiences. But that's what we do is we, we come alongside our kids so that they experience success. So that that mental pathway for success is laid out and that's what their brain follows the next time they come up against that life challenge. Pretty cool, hey? Such a good example and it's so incredible. I mean, it just the simplicity of it, but like I said, it's so profound. And yeah. honestly, the reparenting piece, I feel like is so unique. And as you're talking and saying, you know, you listen. So that shows, you know, you hand me the marker. So that shows, you know, how to listen. I was just thinking to myself, like, I should be saying this to myself during the day when I choose, for example, I have a morning routine that I want to do. And it involves not looking at my phone until I finish my affirmations, my Bible verses of various things I want to do in the morning to fill up my cup and connect with God every morning. Okay. So I should start saying this to myself because it's true that the neural pathway, like you start believing that you're the kind of person that can control yourself, not to check your phone in the morning and instead do what you said you wanted to do. So I'm the kind of person, Oh, because I didn't look at my phone this morning, this is real, by the way, because I didn't look at my phone this morning and I did my affirmations and my Bible verses and read my devotional. I'm the kind of person that can wait for something. Yes, that's a perfect strength. And that's a great one to use with kids too. Like that's so that's so awesome, Stephanie, that you caught on to that. And it's really one of the really neat ways that, that language of listening works for the parenting and the reparenting. It's a really almost like a symbiotic relationship where like some things are easier for us to do with ourselves. Some of the tools are easier for us to use with ourselves. So we practice with ourselves and we get strong with them with ourselves and then we can handle them in the difficult situations with our children. We can use them then, but sometimes it's much easier for us to give that love and understanding to our kids and so much harder to give it to ourselves. But when we start giving it to our kids, then we're more able to give it to ourselves. So it it really goes back and forth so beautifully. It's it's incredible. It really just is mind blowing to me. And I hope everybody listening is feeling the same because I'm so excited about it. And I love practical examples. And so since most of my listeners are moms of toddlers, which, you know, language of listening, so listening, communicating, that can be a really hard age for communication because there's confusion, you know, maybe the child can't get out exactly what they want to say. There's some miscommunication there. So anyway, let's say I'm your client, um, you're coaching me, and I tell you my three-year-old is whining to try to get what she wants, even though she knows how to talk really well. Um, so that's one issue. And then a follow-up to that is that she is trying to get my attention and I'm trying to give her positive attention, but throughout the day, she goes back and forth between being really kind and then really aggressive toward her little sibling. So then as a coach, how would you support this mom? And what are the practical tools you would suggest from the language of listening framework? Oh, these are great examples. These are fantastic. I'm excited to, um, I'm excited to tackle these. (laughs) So, um, 
Yeah, so the first premise of language of listening says that everything children do and say is communication. And so that's the really great part when you have a two-year-old, when you have a three-year-old, even when you have a one-year-old, you know, and that communication can feel like it's difficult or it's lacking. Really, as moms using the language of listening tools, we can pop on our detective hats and we can really get a sense of what they're trying to communicate um, through what they're doing and what they're saying. So not just what they're saying, but we learn how to read them, you know, uh, through their, through their actions for sure. And um, so I think that's really important piece is just to, is just, you know, to help us get our detective hats on and to know what to look for so that we can better understand our, our children. So let's tackle this whining first. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to whining, I'd love to talk to you about and talk to your listeners about three mindset pieces that really come to mind when it comes to whining. So, um, The first is, you know, I think just to recognize and be okay with the fact that um, whining is something that can trigger our animal brain, right? It's our child communicating something that, um, you know, is, is probably kind of feels like a survival thing to them, or at least that tactic of whining is a survival, a survival technique for them. And when our kids do something that's you know, signaling that there's survival at risk, um, our mama animal brains can get really triggered and freak out a little bit. And that's one of the reasons why whining can feel irritating to us um, is that just, you know, um, it's triggering our animal brain. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, is that, and here's one of those beliefs that, that, um, you know, the society will give us, you know, that, that, you know, babies and young children are manipulative this isn't possible. It is not possible for young children to be manipulative in any way, shape or form. All they're capable of doing is expressing their needs. Unfortunately, society has given us this um, unbelief as a a thought um, to hang on to that. Again, it's one of those ones that sets our child up to be our enemy. And really what's happening is, you know, we've kind of taught our kids to whine. Uh, you know, unconsciously we've taught them this. This is a mental pathway laid out in their head that mom and dad respond a lot more quickly when I'm whining. And the reason we do is because it's triggered our animal brain, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of getting a new mental pathway laid out in your child. So just recognize, you know, here's here's a thought, here's a new thought for a new belief for moms when their kid's whining and it's irritating them. Um, One thought is to just say, oh, this is is that mental pathway showing up that I don't like very much. And uh, and I'm going to help my child. I'm going to come alongside them to help them experience success to not be a whiny child (laughs) okay so just thinking about it that way whether than getting rather than getting frustrated because we're left with a void then um you know of of thinking that our child is as manipulative then we're just left with a void that you have a a bad manipulative child and that certainly doesn't allow us to pull on our resources and that's what we need to do in that moment so another thought to think on or to to recognize is that whining actually means the child is feeling powerless there's actually a belief in them that there's something they want that they can't have Okay, and I'm going to come back to this, but just to think on that, there's something that they want that they can't have. And we would affirm that using say what you see and just, you know, lean down and get on their level and say, oh, it sounds like there's something you want that you think you can't have. Just start there with a child who's whining. But what I want to do is I want to take it back to my third mindset piece because it's connected to this one. And it's that thought of wanting something you can't have. So I think sometimes as moms, this comes back to our thinking now. Um 
sometimes when we have a whiny child, that's the thing that we can make us feel really powerless too. Like I, I think there's a lot of us can say that we've, you know, probably ended up yelling at our kids because they've been whining so much. That's us feeling powerless and showing our, you know, feelings of powerlessness. Um, because we believe that we can't have something that we want. We we don't want to have a whiny child, but it just seems like our child is always going to be whiny. We don't have tools to use um, to help our child stop whining and to help our child stop triggering our animal brain when they aren't really in danger, right? And so let's talk about wants from the mom's perspective, because moms, you can put your preferences first. You, It's okay for you to not want a whiny child. That is not a horrible, terrible thought to have. Um, sometimes we think that's a terrible thought. It's not. And it's okay for you to want that. And it's something that you actually can have. So you can feel powerful, especially when you have the language of listening tools to draw on to deal with this situation. Okay, so let's